And this is where I'm supposed to tell you that this is the good news of the Lord. The first Sunday in Advent. And it is a, a Sunday of preparation. It is a time of waiting. And um, as we wait, uh, we do interesting things. Like some of us watch college football. I mean, I am a devoted Big Ten fan. Many of you know that my family has been longtime supporters of the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I just want to say to you poor Nebraska fans, I had already declared my team dead and I had buried them by the end of the third quarter. Of course, that was, that was right before the blocked punt that got returned for a touchdown. And where did Michigan come from? And, and what happened to Wisconsin, Marsha? I mean, perhaps there is something to row, row, row your boat, for those of you who are from Minnesota. And maybe, maybe for once we'll have a college football playoff without Alabama and Ohio State in it. <laughs> now that would be unusual, wouldn't it? <laughs> so I think many of you might be able to agree with me that what I saw after this weekend is a mess. And what I saw in this world as I prepared this sermon is also a mess. This world is broken. It is divided. It is sick. And it is in need of restoration. It is in need of healing. It is unfair. It is unjust. I mean, no matter which way you look at it, politically, economically, athletically, and just about any other way you want to slice it. The world is a mess, and that is why Jesus gives us this particular reading, this text that we have for today. Because things haven't really changed in the 2,000 years since Jesus was here. The world is still a mess. And we look for hope, but if you're like me, we often look for hope in all the wrong places. Our hope is not found in our favorite teams. Our hope is not found in our wealth. Our hope is not found in our families. It is not found in our careers. Our true hope is found in only one place, in only one person, and only in one time. And that is Jesus Christ. All these other things that we hope for, all these other things will come to an end. But the one thing that will not end is Jesus Christ. The Word, the living Word, the Word of God. I don't know if any of you grew up as a Lutheran, but in my tradition, when I was in confirmation, we had uh, the request made of us to select a favorite confirmation verse. And it was a verse that they printed out next to our name on the Sunday that we were confirmed. And so um, I remember thinking that John 3.16 sounded pretty good. But then my parents reminded me, well, that was your older brothers. <laughs> 
So why don't you find something new? So I remember kind of pouring through the scriptures as much as a ninth grade kid can do that. And um, there was one that caught my attention. I think because of the power and the majesty of the verse. And, you know, some of you who know me know that I'm a bit weird. And um, so it won't surprise you to know that the verse that I came upon was found in the, not one of the Gospels, not in, not in one of the epistles. No, it was found in the book of Revelation. <laughs> My verse was this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, said the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. I am the beginning, and I am the end, says Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Lord God. You see, we place our hope not in the things of this world. We place in our, our hope in the one who is coming. On a cloud with great power and great glory, the Son of Man. And so this is what he says in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of the final judgment, this is what he says for you believers. He doesn't say cower. He says stand up. Stand up. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Those big, heavy Metal gates that protected the city have been opened. The curtain that had divided us from the Holy of Holies has been torn apart. Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. You get to see the Holy of Holies. You get to enter the Holy of Holies. So rejoice. Rejoice, believers. Do not be afraid. Be confident. Now, some of you are questioning me right now. Some of you are thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Steve. Be confident. Yeah. You went to seminary. Jesus is telling us to be confident. As Christians, we are not supposed to fear God. We are not supposed to grovel before the Lord. As we await judgment day, we have been judged. It is time for us to stand up to this world. It is time for us to stand up to the brokenness and to bear the light of Christ to show the world that Jesus is alive. And that we are the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of his good news. That Jesus has come to redeem the world. He has come to love us. So when he says stand up, he means it. 
Luke tells us that Jesus uses that word one other time in his gospel of note. And it's an interesting word. It's apocalypsita. I didn't get the accent right, sorry. But it's from apocalypto, a Greek word that means to stand up, to be erect, to stand up straight. And the other place that he uses it of note is in Luke chapter 13. When he's in the synagogue and he is preaching and teaching on a, sun, on a Sabbath morning, not a Sunday morning, a Sabbath morning, a Saturday morning. And when a woman comes in and it says that she has bent double. Now, in my older translations, they always said Brent bent over. But bent double, I mean, I can't bend double. Some of you who are in yoga or Pilates, you might be able to do that. I, I can't do that anymore. But, I mean, she was bent over. She, the problem was that she couldn't, it wasn't a matter for her going down. She couldn't get back up. I mean, and it was, it was an evil spirit. It was a demon that had caused her to have this terrible illness. And Jesus sees this bent double woman on the Sabbath in the synagogue and he says to her, Stand up, woman. And she stands up and she is healed. Stand erect. Lift up your head. And she does. You see, Jesus has come to remind us that it is he, through his Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can stand up too. Because we have been bent over. We've been bent over with the weight of sin and death. We have been bent over with the weight of anxiousness and fear. And what Jesus is telling us is we can stand up. We can stand up now. You can imagine the joy of this woman when Jesus told her to stand up. What sorrow she had endured, it says, for 18 years. 18 years. And now this rabbi tells her to stand up. She had 18 years of brokenness, 18 years of sorrow, 18 years of being bent over. What sorrows did you bring with you this morning as you came to worship? Some of you brought deep sorrows, you know, the kind that come from grief. Some of you brought sorrows over the brokenness of relationships. Some of you brought the sorrow of illness, like the bent double woman. But no matter what sorrow you brought, Jesus says to you this morning, stand up. Jesus knows your heart. He knows your sorrows. He knows your worries. And he is still telling you, stand up. But this is not only about our fears and our sorrows. This is also about the world's fears 
and the world's sorrows. Then all will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. It doesn't say that just the Christians will see this. It says, then all will see the Son of Man coming. And the world will be filled with fear and trepidation and even death during this time. Jesus says that there will be signs in the cosmos, in the, in, the, in the universe. And that there will also be distress upon the earth. And whether the sorrows and the fear come from the changes in the cosmos or whether they come from the distresses upon the earth, no matter which way they come, the Lord is not calling them to stand up. The Lord is calling them to prepare for judgment. We don't know the time. We don't know the place. We don't know how it will happen. What we do know is that the word that has been given to us is clear. God is concerned about the world. He cares about every single part of his creation. God loves everything that he has created. And so he says these words through his son so that the world may know how important it is for the world to see God. He is telling the world, do not be weighed down. He is telling us, do not be weighed down by our worries and our fears. It's interesting that he uses this word, weighed down. It's used in the Greek and in the Hebrew. And it comes out of a Hebrew word that, that stands for... Um, uh, maybe stubbornness, hard-heartedness. And the place that it is used most provocatively in the Hebrew Scriptures, in our Old Testament, is in the book of Exodus. When Moses, the great prophet, describes every single time that Pharaoh is just about ready to relent and repent. And then he changes his mind. It says that he becomes stubborn, hard-hearted. In the Greek, it would be translated weighed down. Our translation uh, didn't catch it as well. I don't think it said dulled. Weighed down. <coughs> Excuse me. That captures it, I think. Because that's how it feels, doesn't it? When we become stubborn, hard-hearted, we begin to carry more and more upon our shoulders. We refuse to relent. We refuse, like Pharaoh, to repent. And so we just carry it, and it gets heavier, and it gets heavier. But Jesus is telling us, do not be weighed down. Do not be stubborn. Do not be hard-hearted when it comes to living your life. Don't let the conflicts 
and the fights distract you. If you're getting drawn into these things, if you're getting drawn into the conflicts of this world, then you might want to do something about it, like turn off your cable shows <laughs> or get off of social media. Wherever the fights are coming to you, don't get weighed down with that stuff. Do not be stubborn or weighed down about unbridled indulgence. What Jesus is describing here, he, he declares, is carousing and drunkenness. It's interesting because in the Greek, the drunkenness isn't just getting drunk. It's also the hangover. So don't forget that part. Then he says, don't become hard-hearted about how you want to live your life. And sometimes we, we live our lives for success, for productivity, for effectiveness. Uh, I have to admit that Patty and I both have kind of a bad reputation with our children um, because we are both very dedicated to the life and the ministry and the work of this church and the school. And so there, there were many times when we should have been home with our children and we weren't. And you think you're getting over it. Your kids are adults now. And then your grandchildren come over for Thanksgiving. And your littlest granddaughter says, Grammy and Bumpa are not at church today. They're at home. <laughs> when the two-year-old tells you that, and then your son chimes in, yeah, some things don't ever change, Maeve. <laughs> we are reminded that, hey, that can also be how we get weighed down. We can think our work is so important. We got to do it. We can't take time for Jesus. I mean, even though we're taking time for Jesus, we're doing busy stuff for Jesus. We're not really taking time with Jesus. And so we are reminded here. We're reminded. Don't be weighed down with success. Don't be weighed down with getting the job done perfectly. Don't be weighed down. After all, sometimes we can work and justify how busy we are. And as we do that, we forget to listen to Jesus. And when we forget to listen to Jesus, we forget to stand up and to lift up our heads. So stand up. Not before a judgment throne. Stand up and lift up your heads. Be confident as believers that you are too a part of this gift of grace. Stand up. All of this other stuff, think about it. Our world, our nation, our homes, our property, our wealth, even the Iowa Hawkeyes will all pass away. Oh, it might hurt to say that. But it's true. All that stuff will pass away. 
It will not last. We are reminded in verse 33 of what will last. Heaven and earth will disappear. Everything will disappear. But my words will never disappear. Heaven and earth will be gone. But God's word will last forever. That is what the house preacher to the church of Hebrews meant when he said, I don't know if you remember this earlier this, this year when we were in Hebrews, when he says in chapter 10 these things. So do not throw away this confidence. <laughs> Be confident. Don't throw away confidence in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Friends, that is the good news. As believers, you are the faithful ones. You are the faithful ones, so don't become weighed down. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your heads. And of all things, don't forget. Stand up. Amen.